Lapcom Communications. Welcome to this episode of the Sunday Schmooze. This podcast series features Rabbi David Vigler, co-host Mitch Zachary, and select guests. Rabbi Vigler was ordained in 2004 in Melbourne, Australia, and spent the next 10 summers learning, teaching, and sharing the concepts of Chabad Lubavitch movement in places like Kyoto, Luxembourg, and Eindhoven. Rabbi Vigler and his wife, Rebetzin Hannah Vigler, have been married for 14 years. They have eight children. Rabbi David Vigler is one of nearly 5,000 Chabad Lubavitch rabbis around the world. Together with Hannah, they work 24-6, serving their chosen community, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Rabbi David Vigler and Rebetzin Hannah Vigler are on a mission. Connect with every Jewish family and share the meaning and message of life as seen through the lens of Kabbalah, the Hasidic movement, and the teachings of the Rebbe. Mitch, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a way to have God hold your hand, partner with you in your daily anxieties, in your daily fears? Wouldn't that be a comforting thought? If you were somehow able to arrange that you weren't going in it alone. I think the greatest fear is the fear of not being able to deliver, not being able to have what it takes when push comes to shove because it's just me and no one else. But if I know that I have the power of Almighty God on my side, I think that would be very reassuring, don't you? Of course. How do you channel that? So as Jewish people, I'm thrilled to share with you that We actually do have such a gift. God Almighty instructed us to perform a certain ritual which invites His presence into our homes, into our workplaces, and into our most intimate spaces. See, it all began 3,300 years ago. It began when we were facing our greatest collective fear, a fear that our people probably have not collectively recovered from. As Jews, I think we're very deeply scarred through all the persecutions, expulsions, and massacres that our people have faced over the uh, millennia. But the very first one that we did as a nation was out in Egypt, when we were slaves to Pharaoh and as taskmasters in Egypt, we were defenseless. We were whipped into a frenzy, having to build those pyramids or whatever else they made us build. God knows what they made us build. The Torah tells us it was back-breaking labor that they made us do. You know, because people can do work. People can joyously do hard work if they know that that it's for a purpose. But what the Egyptians made us do was work that served no purpose. They made us build in unstable soil just so that the hard work that we did would just fall apart, only in order to break our spirit. So that was back-breaking labor. You know, when you do something that serves absolutely no point, like the Nazis, they made the Jews often uh, haul heavy rocks up and down hills just for no other purpose. That's that's back-breaking and spirit-breaking labor. So when we were slaves in Egypt, we really had no one to turn to. We were just defenseless at the whim of of the fanatical, sadistic, Uh, attitudes of our taskmasters. So God tells Moses to gather the Jews in their homes one evening. And what the Jews should do that evening 
is that they should slaughter the lamb, the paschal, the Passover sacrifice, and its blood they should paint upon the doorposts of their home. Sounds familiar, right? Like a story I've heard before. Yeah. It's kind of like a holiday. Yeah, of course. This is the origin of the name of the Jewish holiday of Passover. Because it was the Jewish homes, the homes whose doorposts had been painted with blood of the sacrifice that God passed over when he inflicted the, the, the tenth plague on the Egyptians, the plague of the firstborns, which ultimately led the next morning to the Jews leaving Egypt with uh, great fanfare. It was the, the, the blood on the doorposts. It was the sign on the doorposts that served to name the greatest Jewish holiday of all time, the Jewish holiday of Passover, where God came to our defense against all odds. And that, later on, was recorded in the Torah as the mitzvah of mezuzah. What does mezuzah mean? Any idea? The word mezuzah. No, no, I know what it is. I don't know what it means. Mezuzah means a doorpost. That's what it means. It means a doorpost. And we're commanded to sanctify our doorpost by, by basically issuing an invitation to God Almighty, saying this space is designated to you. This space recognizes your presence and celebrates your presence. You know, there was a great uh, Rebbe, Rabbi by the name of the Kotzker, Rebbe, Rebbe Nachamendel Morgenstern was his name, and he was the Rebbe of the Hasidic dynasty of Kotzk. And somebody once asked him, where is God? Good question, right? Where is God? What, do you, what would you say, Mitch? Where, where, where is he, Steve? Where is God? I think he's everywhere. So God is everywhere, like radio waves are everywhere, right? Like cell phone waves are everywhere, but you can't hear the radio everywhere. Where would you hear the radio waves? Only when you have a radio. When you're tuned into it. Only when you, exactly. Only when you tuned into it. And that was the answer that he gave about 150 years ago. He said, God, where is God? God is wherever you let him in. That's where God is. Wherever you let him in. God is, of course, everywhere exactly like you said. But where we connect with God is where we allow God in. And that's the basis of the mitzvah of the mezuzah. When we place a mezuzah upon the doorpost of our home, upon the doorpost of our workplace, and indeed you're supposed to place this mezuzah on every single doorpost within our homes, within our workplaces, within all the properties that we own, with one exception, only the bathroom where you're not dressed fully is a room where you don't put the mezuzah on but you're supposed to put the mezuzah on every one of your doorposts when you do that you are issuing a lightning rod that draws the presence of God to the contents and the inhabitants of that room think of the mezuzah like a lightning rod it draws the lightning it serves as a catalyst to draw God's speed into the residents and into the inhabitants of that room when we have the mezuzah on the door, it serves as an extraordinary protective barrier to the people that are living in that home. Wouldn't that serve as a great comfort? You know, unfortunately though, Rabbi, okay. I think most secular Jews, mm -hmm. they put the mezuzah up. Maybe they kiss it on the way in. I don't know if they always have that sense of security from it that you're referring to. So that's why we have the Sunday Shmooze, in order to be able to uh, separate the facts from the fiction. And the Baba Mice is from the bottom line. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Sunday Shmooze with the rabbi and the CEO. And we're talking about what, the Jewish way to protect yourself, shield yourself from fear 
and anxiety. It's as simple as placing a mezuzah on your doorpost. You see, Mitch, when you educate, when one educates oneself to the meaning and the significance of the mezuzah, and it's, and it's really such a beautiful meditation, it really is able to alleviate so much stress from our lives. Allow me to illustrate with a short story. A story that happened in the 1970s. 1973 was just before the Yom Kippur War, which was one of Israel's most difficult wars, where we lost over 3,000 soldiers. Proportionately speaking, that was just an absolute catastrophe for the small country of Israel. It was all because of the political issue that we were, our Prime Minister refused to be seen as the aggressor, even though we knew that the enemy was just about to attack. Whatever, not for now. It's a little more complicated than that, but go ahead. Exactly. But what happened was that uh, before the uh, Yom Kippur War, when the the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization was trying to instigate and uh, provoke the Jewish people through murder and massacre, they actually crossed the red line when even until that point, even the terrorists would not attack a pregnant woman, wouldn't attack a child. And it was at this massacre of Ma'alot, the village in the north of Israel, where they held a school hostage, a Jewish school hostage. And Israel didn't even know how to respond. I mean, how do you respond to terrorists armed to the teeth that are holding innocent little children, school teachers, hostage? I mean, how cowardly is that? The army didn't even have any preparation for it. It was as a result of the story that they set up, the Sayeret Matkal, Israel's most elite SWAT team force where uh, they, they, they effectively, under Ariel Sharon, they stormed the building and they, they killed all the terrorists. But tragically, the terrorists killed 17, 17 school children. And the village was devastated because obviously everybody had a child or a neighbor that, a was, yeah. that, was, uh, that was killed. You know, through their bereavement, they wrote a letter to the Rebbe and the Rebbe said that they should check the mezuzahs. The Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe in New York. He said that they should check the mezuzahs of the school. Sounds like a bit of a strange way to comfort bereaved parents, a a bereaved community, but they checked the mezuzahs. And shockingly, they found 17 mezuzahs that were not kosher. What's a not kosher mezuzah? A mezuzah has to be kosher. Like not just food has to be kosher. The the spiritual uh, words of Shema, Shema Yisrael, the Pledge of Allegiance, the Jewish Mission Statement, where our belief in one God, that declaration is written with ink on parchment inside of the mezuzah. And it's got to be written perfectly. If one of those letters is incomplete, if one of those letters is, is maybe uh, weathered through humidity, through some water that seeped in, maybe the letters are cracked, maybe the parchment became moldy, there's many, many reasons why the mezuzah could lose its kosher status just like a um just like a cell phone can lose its reception you know if you drop it or if you get it underwater it could just break so too a mezuzah can lose its kosher status and that's why you actually have to have your mezuzah checked by an expert scribe once every three years let me ask you something does it have to be parchment or can it just be the words on paper no, 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 absolutely. It's got to be parchment. In order for it to be kosher, good, great question though, Mitch. It has to be co- uh, uh, parchment, which is prepared meticulously for the purposes of the mezuzah. And it has to be a certain kind of ink written with a certain kind of quill. And So you can't just take a photocopy piece of paper No, with the no, words, no. I've slip it in there because that's the cheap way. I found mezuzahs where somebody you wrote... You save a lot of money that way. I found a mezuzah where somebody wrote, May God bless 
the contents of this home and the residents of this home and finished. I mean, that's not a mezuzah. That's just an amulet. That's just a good luck charm. A mezuzah is God's lightning rod. It's got to be meticulous to the way that God commanded, exactly like an email address. If you want to receive the, if you want to reach the recipient of your email address, if you want to me- reach me, Rabbi at JewishGardens.com, you won't be able to make up an email address for it to arrive to me. It's got to be the way I, I've put it up. I've set it up. It's got to be Rabbi at JewishGardens.com to reach me, right? Not because I'm arrogant, but just because that's the code to reach me. Right? So if you want to reach God's presence in, the, in, in this home, you've got to set the mezuzah up the way God commanded. So here's what happened, Mitch. They checked the mezuzahs according to the Rebbe's instruction. And shockingly, they found that in the school, there were 17 mezuzahs that were not kosher. Now the grief of the community of Ma'alot was turned into, into um, anger. The grief was turned into anger. How could God be so cruel? How could God be so cruel that because 17 mezuzahs were not kosher anymore because some letters had cracked or, or water had seeped into 17 of the school's mezuzahs, therefore 17 innocent children had to lose their life? Is this the, the uh, wrath of an angry God? How shameful. And the Rebbe responded, the Rebbe said that the mezuzah is exactly like a helmet or a bulletproof vest in the line of fire. If someone's shooting at you, God forbid, and you're wearing your helmet, you're wearing your bulletproof vest, you're protected. But what happens if 17 of the bulletproof vests are not made out of bulletproof Kevlar, they're made out of plastic or styrofoam. They just look like like bulletproof vests. Then the, the wearers of those fake bulletproof vests being shot wouldn't be a punishment. It would merely be a consequence of faulty material. That's what the Rebbe said. He said the mezuzah serves as God's iron dome, as God's helmet over that classroom. Picture that classroom having a helmet on top of it. That the residents of that classroom, the students in that classroom have a helmet on top of it and they're just impregnable to any evil-minded terrorist that is trying to come and attack them. Because they have an Iron Dome missile protection system that will protect them. But if that Iron Dome, if that mezuzah is faulty, if that helmet is really made out of styrofoam, then when a terrorist marches in, he walks straight through the styrofoam and, and the children that fall victim, God forbid, are not punishment for the faulty mezuzah. They're simply a consequence of not having a kosher mezuzah of not having your proper protection, of your security system not being rigged into the network, your Wi-Fi wasn't on, your your phone line wasn't on, and therefore when the, 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 the guy broke into the house, the alarm didn't ring because it wasn't connected to, you know, the security company. That's what the mezuzah is. The mezuzah connects us to God's watchful eye only if we invite him in. Most people that I know, most secular Jews that I know, have one mezuzah outside their front door. Is that inadequate? It's adequate enough to start. Much better than having no mezuzah. You know when you buy an alarm system for your home? Imagine you said, okay, I'm just going to alarm the front door. Only the front door. I'm not going to alarm the back doors because it's too expensive. Would you say that's worth anything? L- not 
it's worth something. It's dude. better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Right. But is it complete? No, it's not complete. Because somebody could, God forbid, come in through the back door or through the window and you'd have a problem, right? You're only rigging up the one door. So that's why I say to people, start with one if that's all that you can afford or if all that you have the headspace for. You know, people spend $3 million on a house, but they can't spend the $50 on a mezuzah. Like, what's the big deal? You got to protect the house, right? So I say, I encourage people, buy a mezuzah for every single door that you care about. Only the doors that you care about. Right? It's like my, my kids say to each other. They say, you know, when it comes to brushing their teeth. They say, well, why do I have to brush my teeth? So the older kids say to the younger t- kids, they say, only brush the teeth that you want to keep. <laughs> right? If you don't want the tooth, then don't keep it. Right? And obviously that leads them to, to think about, you know what? Okay, I'll brush every teeth. Only put the mezuzahs on the doors that you care about. On the doors that you want to protect. If you only care about the front door, okay. <laughs> but but that's, this is a gift that God Almighty has given to us. That He's allowed us to say, look, I'm going to be your security guard. I'm going to be there to protect your business when you go out on your own. I'm going to be there to protect your ship. I'm going to do the... Um, I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect your home, to protect your, your community. Just uh, make sure to put up that mezuzah. Just make sure that you have invited God into your home, just like the ancient Jews did in Egypt, where they painted the blood on their doorposts and God passed over the homes of the Jews when he was inflicting the plague of death on the firstborn of those Egyptians. So friends, I just want to conclude and tell you that uh, the mezuzah you'll notice is always at an angle. Why is the mezuzah at an angle? There's two opinions in the Talmud. One opinion says vertical, the other opinion says horizontal. We come to a compromise, we go diagonal. Why diagonal is because in order to turn the four walls of your house into the warmth of a home, you have to learn the art of compromise. If it's going to be my way or the highway, if it's going to be only horizontal, it's only going to be vertical, If that's the way you're going to run your home, it's going to be cold and indifferent. But if you can learn the message of the mezuzah to compromise between the two opinions, to do it at a a diagonal instead of the vertical or horizontal opinions, if you can go in the middle, if you can find the middle ground between you and your husband, you and your wife, with you and your in-laws, you and your siblings, if you have the wisdom to find the middle ground, to go for the compromise, you will be able to turn the cold walls of your house into the warm love and light of a home. If you have a comment on the Sunday Schmooze, you can contact Rabbi David Vigler directly at rabbi at jewishgardens.com. That's rabbi at jewishgardens.com. As you're listening to this show, I want you to know that you are a part of the Jewish people. If you were born to a Jewish mother or if you converted to Judaism, it means you are an integral and critical and vital part of this Jewish nation. But that doesn't mean that it will continue to the next generation by itself and it won't even necessarily be meaningful to you by itself you need to take an action you need to take charge you need to take leadership you need to do something because when we act on our judaism that's when we begin to feel our judaism as well friends have a wonderful week mitch thank you And uh, shalom, learn about us at jewishgardens.com or send me an email to rabbi at jewishgardens.com with any comments or feedback. That's rabbi at jewishgardens.com. Shalom. Lapcom Communications.